Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. He did it all. He prosecuted rapes, sex assaults, kidnaps, murders, and he did it well. A dad, a husband. So what happened to renowned attorney Ray Grecar? Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Let's just start at the beginning. Take a listen to this. Initially, you know, Patty called our office that night um, and reported that Ray had gone to, she thought, to the Lewisburg area to uh, do some shopping, antique shopping and stuff. And he hadn't returned home yet. Well, initially we thought maybe his car broke down, something of that nature that he... uh, decided to stay overnight he wasn't feeling well so we went down and not we went down but we initiated some phone calls and stuff the state police to lewisburg police to milton state police you know telling him hey the center county district attorney has not or has not come home yet we think he was in the lewisburg area earlier today um that's where he's supposedly going uh, and they initiated some searches down there so how does he seemingly just drop off the map? A well-known prosecuting attorney in good standing there in the bar. Joining me, an all-star panel to try and make sense of the disappearance of Ray Greekar. Joining me, Bob Buner, former Montour County District Attorney, former president of the Pennsylvania District Attorney's Office, friend and very close colleague, of the victim. Dr. Sherry Swartz joining us, forensic psychologist specializing in criminal behavior at panthermitigation.com. And she is the author of Criminal Behavior and Where Law and Psychology Intersect. Boy, do we need her. Lisa Daddio, former police lieutenant in the Haven Police Department, senior lecturer and director of the Center for Advanced Policing. With me right now, and let's go to her first, Rebecca Knight joining us. Her podcast, Final Argument, The Disappearance of District Attorney Ray Grecar, and you can also find her at raygrecar.com. Rebecca Knight, let's just start at the beginning. There are a lot of uh, questions, a lot of speculation surrounding the disappearance of Ray Grecar, really in the prime of his life, at the height of his legal career. But let's start at the beginning. You know, uh, Rebecca, when cases falter and they go so-called cold, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. You start at the beginning, the day the person disappeared, where they were last seen, was the home ransacked, was the car wrecked, all of the elementary building blocks that start an investigation. And that's where we're starting right now in the unusual disappearance of Ray Grecar. Back to you, Rebecca Knight. Tell me about the day he goes missing. The day Ray Grecar went missing, they didn't find his car uh, for 36 hours. And one of the things I wanted to look at was what was happening during those 36 hours before the police finally found his car. Okay, pause where I right there. My I, I, I hate to interrupt, Rebecca, but when I say start at the beginning, I mean really the beginning, not 36 hours 
after the beginning. Now, you, being such an incredible investigative writer and reporter, are going straight to the heart of the matter. But for those of us Luddites that like to start with who, what, where, why, and when, what day did he go missing? April 15, 2005. Tax day. That's how I always remember the day that Ray Greencar went missing. It was tax day. And let me ask you this, Rebecca Knight, what time of the day was he last known to be alive or was seen? You can time that based on a phone call, a message, a text, a surveillance video at the grocery store, anything. He made a phone call to his girlfriend, Patty Fornicola, from his county-issued cell phone at around 11.15 that morning on Friday, April 15th, And based on that phone call to his then-girlfriend, where was he and what was he doing? Ray Grickar was traveling um, east on Route 192 in Pennsylvania. He was going through an area called Brush Valley um, in a very, very rural area of Pennsylvania. He was in his... Mini Cooper, his red and white Mini Cooper, and um, he was traveling down uh, 192 on his way to Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Why was he Um, going to Lewisburg? Well, no one knows why he was going to Lewisburg, but we do know that he had been to Lewisburg many, many times before. Very, very interesting to me. Uh, Guys, joining me is reporter Rebecca Knight. And she is the creator of a podcast, Final Argument, The Disappearance of District Attorney Ray Grecar. And you can find her at raygrecar.com. You know, I want to go to you, Bob Buner, a former district attorney, past president of the DA's association. And that's not easy to attain. But more important, as it relates to this moment, friend and colleague of Ray Grecar. You know, Bob, how far was his home? From was it Lewisburg where he was traveling, or yeah, Lewiston? It's, it's approximately from Belfont, the county seat of Center County, where he was DA, to Lewisburg, approximately sixty miles, uh, basically uh, going over mountains and forest between the two communities. Hmm. And now, hold on, hold on, hold on, yep. because I'm, I'm I'm going very slowly. And Bob, I don't know how you prosecuted all your cases, but I can tell you this. When the medical examiner saw me pulling up in my beat up Honda, <laughs> I'm sure they all wanted to hide beneath their chairs because sure. I would have to take apart every single sentence sure. of their Latin jargon. Uh, <laughs> no offense, Schwartz, but uh, to, to make sense of it. So let me just understand what you just said. So very often, according to Rebecca Knight, and for no apparent reason, Ray Grecar would travel 60 miles through forest and over a mountain to get to, is it Lewisburg or Lewiston? Lewisburg. Do we have any idea? Because, for instance, uh, when I was living in Atlanta, I would very often, if someone could pull up my navigation system, drive 90 miles south on the interstate. Why? Because I was going to my hometown of Macon to check on my parents or my parents' home. And there was a reason for that. Mm -hmm. But I find this very interesting. Why is Ray Grecar traveling over a mountain through four or 60 miles? Could be two hours, depending on the mountain. Why? What was in Lewisburg? Actually, antique shops, Nancy. Um, There are several well-known antique places that are kind of co-ops 
And Ray had uh, an interest in certain types of antiques, right. especially antique cameras. So he would go to a, a place. Okay, stop, stop everything. Sure. I'm always surprised, pleasantly, and thrilled when I learn something I haven't already gleaned from my research and investigation. I knew he was into antiquing. Mm-hmm. I did not know that specialty. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. This is opening up a whole plethora of possibilities for me, Bob Buner, because I didn't realize he was that deep into the antiquing world. And you know how they haggle over prices, and if you're really into something like some vintage camera from 19-whatever, you could go down all sorts of rabbit holes trying to get that and come in contact with a lot of people that could be scamming you. That's true. Um, I think he had a pretty sophisticated knowledge of antique cameras, the Polaroids and the Kodaks of the day. And so um, I don't know that he could be scammed because he was pretty astute in things uh, involving his interest in antiques. Bob, you know, I don't mean... He doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, someone, for instance, uh, one thing I cover a lot. I even write about it in my new book, Don't Be a Victim. P.S. All the money goes to National Center Missing Exploited Children if you want to pick it up, Bob. But about buying or doing business online, because I've covered so many cases where uh, people go to, for instance, a, a marketplace online, and then they show up across town to get the item, and bam, they get killed, and robbed, raped, the whole shebang. So I'm not saying he's not astute. I'm saying that I'm saying there's a possibility he was led down a rabbit hole thinking he was going to get X, and when he got there, all he ended up getting was the, the, the wrong end of a gun barrel. Yeah, what we Nancy. know, Nancy, is that approximately 2 p.m. on April 15th, he had parked his uh, Mini Morris Cooper by the river bridge that goes over the Susquehanna River into Lewisburg. Okay, Bob Buner, another another thing. You know, yeah. I know you hate the interruptions because no, you're used okay. to having control over that whole courtroom and nobody dares interrupt your opening or closing. Darn right. But, you know, they did not teach me shorthand in law school. Mm-hmm. So slow it down, buddy. Okay, 2.15 p.m., April 15. Go ahead. He is, I've gotten that far. He is standing on a sidewalk outside his mini Morris Cooper Three individuals working in a museum right across the street from where he had parked his car observed him, and uh, their uh, statements to the police indicated that it appeared to them that he was waiting for someone, and in fact had actually moved his car a couple spaces away from where he had initially parked as if to make a parking spot available for someone else. And that's what we... May I jump in here? Yes, Rebecca, I was just going to come to you. Do we know who he was meeting? Well, one of my uh, witnesses that I interviewed said, and I'm going to pick up the scene here where Bob just talked about him being Mm. in that park across the street from the museum. One of my witnesses, and I spoke with her several times, and she told the police this, that it looked like, she said he looked like he was on a cell phone walking back and forth and gesturing with his arms sometimes. Uh, wildly. In other words, uh, what's going on? When I got the copy of the case file, I looked at his cell phone records for his county-issued cell phone, 
And there were no other numbers on there of calls that he had made that day, which tells me that this woman may have seen him using a burner phone. Okay, stop again. Stop again. Uh, Rebecca Knight, did you speak to the witness face to face? Yes, I did. You looked in their faces. They were telling you this. Most everyone I talked to, I, I would go to see them because I have to look at people in the eye. I've got to see their faces. Because as you know, Bob Buner, all your years as the Montour County District Attorney, a lot of times, and I know other people will mock this, don't care. You can tell when somebody's lying. Oh, absolutely. Now, I find that really very interesting because, I mean, Dr. Sherry Schwartz, forensic psychologist specializing in criminal behavior, a defense attorney would argue to a jury, just because the witness thought the person was on their phone, walking back and forth, gesticulating, does in no way mean a burner phone. But you know what? I think a jury would disagree. And when someone is wildly gesticulating, i.e. moving their hands or arms around as they speak or not speak, moving their hands and arms around, that tells me they were communicating with someone and they were agitated. So we've got him at 2.15 p.m. the day he goes missing, antiquing in another town an hour and a half, two hours away, angry or upset and gesticulating. That tells me a lot. That has never come to light on a national platform. To my knowledge, Rebecca and Bob, what do you make of it, Sherry? This is very important. Especially if the witness is deemed credible, right? If a jury hears this witness testify and witnesses are generally truth-telling if they have no vested interest in the outcome of a case, then this is very important information. You know, and he was noticeable clearly not just because of the behavior, but as Rebecca points out in her podcast, the car was very rare, right? So if he's near the car, people might notice him. And then if he's having this conversation, I mean, we, we all sort of engage in that little bit of voyeurism in public, right? When you see somebody flailing their arms and maybe you can even hear them. Uh, but they appear agitated, you think, "Uh uh-oh, they're having an argument with somebody, right? So this is observable behavior that indicates that something's up with Ray Greekar. And so, and it's troubling if there's no evidence of that call at that time. That's right. On his county-issued phone. Exactly. Those have those phone records, and they're not there. No other calls. Guys, take a listen yeah. again to the first lead investigator on the case. This is Daryl Zaconi, and he's speaking to PennLive.com. Listen. We gave him a description of the car, the license plate for it, you know, and, and basically we started a missing persons report, you know, to look for this gentleman. When I got in in the morning, um, it was the first I had heard about it, is when I got to work that morning, and the chief and I, uh, he he told me about it and said, come on, let's go talk to Patty. And from there, we went up to see Patty and we, things just progressed. But then we're, you know, we, we started a, a series of different searches over a course of period of time then, you know, and what we were going to do. I think initially we were holding out hope that, you know, that, that Ray had just 
gotten ill and decided to, to stay overnight to do some more shopping and his cell phone went dead or something and he didn't get hold of Patty and he would show up in the morning and stuff. So some confusion about the night before, but that in no way negates where he was at 2.15 p.m. the day he's last seen alive. But listen to our friend Lester Holt at Dateline NBC. When Ray Gricar disappeared in April 2005, he had everything to live for. He'd learned how to kick back a bit outside of the office. The Ray I knew, great sense of humor. You had to know him to see it. Sometimes it was dry. Um, it was compassionate. Just a wonderful person. Ray and girlfriend Patty love to take long drives together and go antiquing. We mostly bought um, dishes because they were small. Um, the house is, is small, so we had to stick to small things. But um, dishes or um, books, Ray was an avid reader. Ray had served as district attorney of Center County for nearly 20 years, and he had a sterling reputation. Bob... Buner, a longtime friend and colleague of Ray Greekar. How does the name Jerry Sandusky fit into this scenario? I think it's a very much of a, in one sense, a red herring, Nancy, because what happened in 2011, Jerry Sandusky was arrested for child abuse and the, the world media descended into Center County and when they got there, they discovered, hey, there's a missing district attorney from 2005 who back in 1998 did investigate a charge of child abuse against Jerry Sandusky, but felt there was not enough information or evidence to uh, have an arrest made. So naturally, people started speculating, well, the Jerry Sandusky case and the disappearance of Ray Creek are, are somehow connected. I have never seen that connection, and I have studied this case for years. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. So I guess the connection uh, straight out to Renowned investigator Lisa M. Daddio, former lieutenant New Haven Police, senior lecturer. I guess the theory regarding the famed, or let me say infamous, coach Jerry Sandusky, the theory would be that Ray Greekar knew about the child molestation, well, the molestation charges, and did nothing and that someone came and sought revenge on him. I guess that would be the working theory. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can can make that stretch. Um, for me, it seems a little um, bizarre, strange to make that type of connection. Uh, if he had reviewed something, you know, several years prior and had declined prosecution for whatever reason, why is this now coming up years later when he disappears? Well, you know, um, that's you know, something I've argued to juries many, many times, Lisa Daddio, because very often a defense attorney or really someone that hasn't tried a lot of cases or investigated a lot, they actually believe movie scripts and uh, books and novels. 
they think that it's very common for there to be revenge killings. Well, maybe in the mafia, maybe in the mafia. Okay, definitely in the mafia. There are revenge killings. But in real life, I mean, think this thing through. If you were angry because Jerry Sandusky raped your son or molested your child, why not kill Jerry Sandusky? Why go dig up Ray Grecar and hit the home he was he had there and uh, follow him when he's antiquing and and kill him and dispose of his body? That that doesn't make sense. Why not kill Sandusky? Well, well that's yeah, where it doesn't my make investigation. What is, is is this Rebecca or Lisa? This is Rebecca. Okay, go ahead. Well, I didn't think that this. I, first of all, I think he was murdered. Uh, I think it was a professional hit. I think that um, uh, it was not a revenge killing. Uh, but what I do think, and I think that the evidence uh, from the case file, uh, together with all of the interviews I did through the years and talked with hundreds of people, and some people that the police never even in, uh, talked to, um, was that I put together a picture emerged for me, and I believe that Ray Grigar was uh, working on the biggest case of his life. I think he was getting ready to charge Jerry Sandusky, Penn State University, and the Second Mile Charity when he disappeared. Um, that's what my podcast is about. You know, Rebecca Knight, um, I've always argued there is no coincidence in criminal law. Mm-hmm. Right. His very in-depth investigation and it must be said about ray Grecar. <laughs> you don't win jury trials because you go in and showboat the jury uh, unless you're johnny mm-hmm. cochran you usually mm-hmm. win jury trials and this is an old saying but it's true it's 99 percent perspiration one percent inspiration that is how you win or succeed at anything with the proper preparation. If you're willing to put in the time, you will most likely succeed. Would you agree, Bob Buner, that Grecar had a reputation of literally crossing every T, dotting every I, not, never unprepared when he went into court? Nancy, Ray Grecar was the most meticulous prosecutor probably in the entire Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. He left no detail unexamined. He always asked law enforcement officials in the case the next question, and he anticipated not just his direct examination, but what would be subject on cross-examination, prepared his witnesses uh, at great length. So yes, um, that was the Ray Grecar that I know, and um, I think his reputation was sterling in that regard. Uh, preparation was the key to him. He was I not. I got to tell a, you something, Bob. Yes. I got to tell you something. And I've told it to many, many a litigation class. You have to think about not only what you're going to do, but what they're going to do and how you're going to counter it. You yeah. have to prepare as a prosecutor, not only your case, but you have to anticipate and prepare your attack on the defense case. And oh, exactly. you're just saying that, I'm, I'm imagining all the man hours he put into preparing these cases. That's exactly right. So, Bob, can you imagine the irritation of the Sandusky team when they've got this meticulous prosecutor 
digging up every possible witness, leaving no stone unturned, and finding out a lot of things they wish you didn't know. Well, I think that's one of the things that um, is somewhat unknown how far in the case file Ray was getting. He was very frustrated back in 1998 when a young child had been in a shower with Sandusky and he went home with wet hair and the mother inquired what happened and and the child told her mother who then called the police and Ray Greekar and the state college and university police tried to set a trap for Sandusky but it didn't work. So knowing Ray, that would have been incredibly frustrating and he would Mm -hmm. have worked to figure out a way to do more investigating and find uh, some of the areas where uh, Sandusky would be involved with children and explore that. And one was called the Second Mile, a charity Sandusky had started that was ostensibly to design for children from single family homes to uh, be placed in special programs or go to special events to help them uh, improve their lives. So we now know that that was a cover for Sandusky. So it was a let, stable. Let me clarify the argument that many people have made that Greek car was shot out of revenge because he did not go forward with the Sandusky investigation is the furthest thing from the truth. In I, fact, I, he yeah. was working to sting Sandusky. Would you That's agree? I believe. Um, yes, Nancy, I would agree with that. And I think um, I don't see that anybody connected with the victims of Sandusky would have had any revenge factor against Ray Greekar. First of all, many of them were young, and in 2005, hardly any would have even reached their 18th birthday. You're Uh, absolutely correct. So I want to just clarify that for all of the haters out there that have attacked Greekar for not pursuing Sandusky. He was, in fact, pursuing Sandusky like a bat out of hell. Take a listen now to our cut four. This is reporter Gary Sinderson, WJAC-TV. Almost a decade later, many here still remember when they first heard. I got a call. I was actually up in State College at a breakfast and got called that morning. And Sheriff Denny now came in and handed me a note that said Ray Greekar is messy. And I looked up at him and he said, I'm not kidding. And so it began, April 15th, 2005. I thought something bad happened to him because Ray was a very, if you will, quote, predictable individual. Longtime Center County District Attorney Ray Greekar. Greekar was an exceptional prosecutor. Uh, I spent 35 years in government and worked around hundreds of attorneys, and he was the best trial attorney I ever worked around. Becomes a missing person and eventually a worldwide mystery case. Anyone involved in this case has a theory. My secretary has a theory. I'm sure you have a theory. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Theories, theories, theories. It sounds like um, reading the tea leaves, which uh, most people don't believe in. But 
These theories are founded in reality, including a persistence in trying to catch child molester, renowned coach, Jerry Sandusky. Now, take a listen now to my friend, Jean Casares, with me at HLN. What happened to Ray Greikar? Straight out to Jean Casares. Jean, what's the latest? Nancy, the latest is that there have been numerous suspected sightings of Ray Greikar since he vanished, since he went missing. But the minute people think they see him, he's gone. So the question is, could this man, this elected district attorney, still be alive? around the country somewhere taken on a new identity or is he the victim of a homicide or even a suicide back to you bob buner former prosecutor and longtime friend of ray Greycar. I, I i've never believed the suicide or the living under a false name theory now olivia newton john's boyfriend yeah i think he's alive in mexico wearing a floppy hat having a margarita right now ray Greycar, no there's no reason he would assume a new identity, nor would he commit suicide. You're exactly right, Nancy. First of all, the idea that he walked away, he he could have done the rest of 2005, not shown up at the office at all, and still collected his paycheck. And at the end of 2005, with his retirement, he was going to get a huge pension. Again, never touched. The FBI examined his finances for three years prior to when he went missing. They can only not account for $15,000 over three years or 100 bucks a week. And none of his bank accounts, none of his credit cards have been touched since April 15, 2005. So how he would be able to do all these things that these theorists have is, is really preposterous. And secondly, with suicide, Ray was 59 years old, in good physical and mental health. He had plans for retirement. We spoke about his plans to travel the national parks with his girlfriend, Patty Fornicola. He wanted to see his daughter, Laura, out in the Seattle, Washington area. This is a guy that had a plan for his future with no known stressors in his life and a healthy pension to take care of himself. Well, not only was he uh, renowned as a prosecutor, why would you leave your family or commit suicide, leaving them behind in the dust? Let's cut forward to our cut two. Take a listen to our friend Lester Holt at Dateline NBC. I spoke to my dad often. Um, I would say three to four times a week. We, we were in pretty regular contact. In that spring of 2005, Ray was 59, just eight months away from retirement, and he was ready for it. He was already starting to cut back on his workload. Already starting to cut back on his workload, other than the sting he was planning on famed coach Jerry Sandusky. Take a listen again to our cut one. This is Lester Holt. He was the district attorney in Pennsylvania's Center County, working in the postcard pretty town of Belfont. Penn State is just down the road. It's a powerful presence in this central Pennsylvania neighborhood. Back in April 2005, Ray Greekar had served the better part of five terms and racked up a stellar reputation. But it's the nature of the job that, you know, you do difficult things, you make difficult choices. He was the most serious prosecutor I've ever met. Bob Buner was Ray's friend. He's the DA in neighboring Montour County. He met Ray Greekar almost two decades ago, and over the years, the two traded shop talk whenever they could. Did he go with his gut? Did he shoot from the hip, or was he like, 
punch all the right buttons and then get to the answer. He was the guy that always had the next question. What about this? Did you consider that? He was the most serious guy, most ethical guy. To Lisa Daddio, uh, former police lieutenant, New Haven PD, senior lecturer. Lisa, it has happened in the past where prosecutors have been killed because of yes, what they're doing in court. Uh, it's more often that a prosecutor, like what happened to me, will get your tire slid or your windows broken in your car, maybe your mailbox knocked down or your door kicked in during a, a very heated trial. That happens. But killing a prosecutor or killing a, a, a cop, an investigator, it doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. Yeah, it does happen. Um, and, you know, we can't ignore it that, oh, it's so rare, it's impossible. It, it does happen. Um, and so especially with the fact that he was working on this incredibly high-profile case, he had previously worked on um, high-profile cases, got convictions. His reputation is, is just unbelievable that it's possible that he was murdered by either somebody connected to a previous case or something to do with Sandusky. What do you think, Rebecca Knight? I mean, you're the one that has created this podcast, Final Argument, The Disappearance of District Attorney Ray Grecar. What do you think? My theory is that Ray Grecar was working on building a case against Jerry Sandusky, Penn State University, and the Second Mile Charity, and that he got too close, and he found out too much, and he was about ready to charge because Ray Grickard didn't charge cases unless he had what he called the shot through the heart of the wild boar. This is what I was told by uh, one of his colleagues and peers. And another thing, a former district attorney who was a longtime friend and colleague of Mr. Grickard told me that about a year before Ray Grickard went missing, he and Ray Grickard were having lunch in State College, and after lunch, they went for a walk down the street, and Grecar pointed out a man up ahead, and he said, you see that guy up there? And his this other gentleman said, yeah, what, so what? He said, that's Jerry Sandusky. And he said, oh, yeah, the coach. He said, yeah, he's also a GD pedophile, and I'm going to put him away if it's the last thing I do. That was a year before he went missing, and this was told to me by a seasoned prosecutor who is a new regular for decades and we're friends. So what do we Bob do? Buner, Bob Buner, what about it? What do you think? I actually have a different uh, take on things. I believe that, uh, Ray Grease, Ray Grecar had prosecuted a member of the Hells Angels chapter of Westchester County, New York, who had been in federal prison with a 20-year sentence, but after five years was miraculously released from prison and ended up in a very remote part of Center County, so we clearly witness protection program, and this Hells Angel biker had viciously assaulted a farmer out in the rural area of Center County, Ray prosecuted him, convicted him, and I believe he is, was the person who led the revenge. We know that the U.S. Marshals and the FBI reached out to Ray Grecar asking him for leniency because this Hells Angel man had um, 
done some favors for the federal government and helped convict other motorcycle bikers. And uh, I believe that that's the person who um, was involved in ordering the hit on Ray Gricar. If you know or think you know any information regarding the disappearance of family man and prosecutor Ray Gricar, please Call 814-696-6100. Repeat, 814-696-6100. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.